all right i want to say etm hotep uh and welcome uh appreciate anyone who's tuning in on this sunday evening and i hope everyone's having a uh happy holidays uh be it that you celebrate christmas or you celebrate kwanzaa or any other particular holiday even if it's just a celebration of the winter time the winter solstice and things hope everyone's having a, a happy holidays and um so again this is your brother wujao and i am doing this live just to briefly touch on a topic post that i uh put up on facebook that um you, you will see on on obviously on my page um i was asked to kind of elaborate on it a little more if i could and um so instead of uh typing and, and elaborating to one person who asked i rather go live and um and elaborate a little bit more so that everyone could benefit for those who may you know be looking into this issue all right so the title of this particular video is does the word tamahu actually mean europeans or white people all right and um i posted the initial post um some time ago i i had po posted information about this a long while ago but i recently posted it again because every now and then it comes up and and you know it's sometimes it's based on questions that i'm asked in in my uh study courses or just in general online and so you know i like to share information and i like to i like for you know um questions like that or or just good questions in general to be seen and so that in hopes that everyone can benefit from them all right who people who may have had the same question all right so i posted it again um because it's come up you know this word tamahu and um and there are people who uh use this word for quite a while um to reference europeans or uh white people all right so that's the reason behind my recent post of it all right so you know um whether you're watching live if you're watching live share this video if you think someone else may be interested in the conversation or once i'm done it's going to be archived and you can share it that way as well all right so again uh, the question is does the word tamahu mean europeans or white people all right so i'm just going to go straight to it and i'm going to share um, my post first and i'll start there my recent post all right so this is the post um i posted it recently uh december 21st all right and so i'm just going to read it and it's the same post that's on my screen on my timeline and so i say uh, for those who have asked me about the word the use of the word tamahu being used to refer to europeans or whites one of the sources of that use is from gerald massey in his work a book of the beginnings on page 27 and i have pictured because on my post i i had pictured i had put the picture of the page up there all right um massey incorrectly identified one of the four nations represented in the tomb of seti the first in a text called the book of gates where the remetch who who most people know as the ancient egyptians 
are represented along with three of their neighboring nations. The Nehesiu, those who are south of Kemet. The Amu, who are um, those who are from Western Asia, referred to, referred to as Asiatics. Um, and then the uh, Chimehu, those who are west of Kemet in a place known today as Libya. All right. Massey incorrectly created meanings of created whites for the word Chimehu, which has nothing to do with the word created or the word white. It is the name of one of the groups of Libyans and the other being the Chehenu. So our goal, and I, I continue to say, our goal is to raise an army of scribes so that we can get to know Kemet intimately through its language which is the DNA of culture, let it be known. All right. And that last sentence is referring to the fact that, you know, our aim is to teach. And I, you know, I've been teaching the language for a number of years now. And so this is my goal and others sharing that goal to raise an army of scribes who, who can deal with the language and get to know the, the culture of ancient Egypt or Kemet intimately. And we don't have to use guesswork or rely on um other sources all right we can go directly to the culture itself all right so that was the post um that was recently uh placed there so i'm just going to elaborate a little bit so now under the post i had the picture of the actual page from massey's work and i'm going to show that again in a few seconds but before i do that um i want to show everyone where Massey is is getting this from all right well actually uh let me go to his page first and we'll read the first paragraph from his his uh page his book so this is from page 27 of a book of the beginnings by Gerald Massey okay and uh so I'll just read it says the Egyptians identify themselves on the monuments as root. A pictorial representation is found on the tomb of Seti I of four races of people arranged in groups of four men each. These are the Nasi, and he has Negroes, the Hemu, men of light brown hue with blue eyes and hair in a bag. And then the Tamahu, who are fair skin, who are, excuse me, who are fair as Europeans and the root, who are the Egyptians. So he's naming them Nasi, Negroes, Hemu, men of light brown hue uh, with blue eyes and hair in a bag. Then he mentions another group, Tamahu, who are fair as Europeans and the root as he's calling the Horde Egyptians. Then he goes on to say, these are typical groups, not meant merely for conquered races, as may be gathered from the signification of their names. The Tamahu are light-complexioned people. In Egyptian, Tama means people and created. Who is white, light, ivory? The Tamahu are the created white people. 
Na is black as an ink. Ne is a black bird. Su is the person or birth. The Nasu, one, born, one black born, or in Egyptian phrase, black from the egg, Su. Him is the rudder, the paddle, fish, hemi, to steer. The hemu thus indicated are the sailors, seafarers, the people of the isles, the isles of the Gentiles, Genesis 10, uh, might be rendered in Egyptian by the isles of the Amu or Hemu. The hieroglyphic Hem is the sign of a water frontier. All right. So um, I want to stop there for a second because I want to show everyone what he's talking about in terms of um, when he says here that it's a pictorial representation as found in the tomb of Seti I of the four races arranged in four groups of four men each. All right. And then we'll get back to his uh, attempted breakdown of these words. All right. So I want to switch back over. And so this is a um, now this is a remake of the tomb that he is speaking about all right and so you see these men all lined up here and uh in the actual tomb itself there is a corner right here if you all can see my cursor there's a corner right here so so what we're looking at this reproduction here is showing them all in a straight line but in reality um this portion is on one wall and the rest of it is on an adjacent wall where the corner of that wall is right here okay and I'm going to show you a picture of the of the tomb itself okay the actual picture but for now I'm, just, I'm showing you how what he means by there are four nations represented by four figures each so there's 16 men here all right four by four and so the first group, by the way, over here on the far left is Heru. Okay, and you see his name in the glyphs here, Heru. But the first group here are the ancient Egyptians. The next group here are the Asiatics. This next group here are those who live south of Kemet. Uh, people like to refer to them as Nubians, but that wasn't a term that was used by the Egyptians. They were called the Nehesi or Nehesiu. All right. And then lastly, you have the Ch uh, Chimehu. So it's this, this group here, the last group of four that Massey is referring to when he says Tamahu. Okay, so he takes this as Tamahu. So below that, I have supplied the glyphs for these particular names. And so if you look at here, if you look between each figure, you're gonna see the glyphs in between these figures. And so the figures are facing to the right and the glyphs are also facing to the right. And so here, um, this is what we refer to 
as retrograde inscriptions. All right. And that's another subject that I don't want to get uh, diverted into um, to be too technical. Uh, but nevertheless, you'll see the spelling of these groups with the glyphs in between each of these figures. So in the first four, we have these glyphs here and I reproduce them below. So we have the Remetch. OK, this is how we transliterate it. And this last row here is typically how you'll see it spelled in Egyptological uh, spelling and pronunciations. All right. So um, just as a side note, all of the pronunciations that we have for Egyptian words, even the word Hotep, the word Ankh, the word for health, Seneb, and all of these words that you hear everyone say, they are never meant to be taken as as though they're historically accurate. Okay, I, I always like to point that out. Um, I always like to point that out. Let me just make sure that I am still. Live here, looks like my feed, something happened to my feed. So yeah, also I, what I forgot to do is just to make sure that I'm, I'm being uh, seen and heard properly. So if someone in the, in the chat could uh, please do me that service and um, indicate, let me know that you all can hear me and that you all can see my screen fine. All right, before I continue. Okay, someone said loud and clear. All right, so I'm going to continue. Uh, for whatever reason, my um, my video has uh, stopped on the when I'm monitoring it. All right. So let's continue. All right. So as I was saying, um, the glyphs for the groups are below each group. The transliteration is below the glyphs and then the typical Egyptological spelling is beneath that. And so what I was saying was that whenever you hear people pronounce the ancient Egyptian um, words and language, etc. Um, we have to understand that these pronunciations are just a convention and they're tentative. All right. They're not meant to. They're not meant to. Um, be taken as historically accurate all right but it doesn't have anything to do with us understanding the meanings and i like to say that because people tend to confuse pronunciations with the meanings all right and how the language is is uh learned and used today okay so um so beneath the first group we have the remich and you see the glyphs between them then the next group of four are the amu and you see the glyphs here and you see the glyphs in between these figures. So we have one, two, and then three, four. We have one, two, three, four. So the Amu, these are your Asiatics. 
Next to them, or in front of them, we have the Nehesu. So we have one, two, three, four, five glyphs. And below it, we have one, two, three, four, and five. These three strokes are those last three strokes there. So the Nehesu. All right. People, like I say again, people like to refer to them as Nubians, although the Egyptians never called them that. All right. And lastly, we have the Chemehu. All right. We have three glyphs. One, two, and three. We have one, two, and three. Chemehu. All right. So it's this last group that Massey is referring to. And because they're depicted um, more pale in terms of uh, the pigment used to depict them is why he's saying what he's saying. All right. Uh, initially. Okay. So let's go back to uh, Massey. So this is what he was referring to. Okay, when he says this, the tomb of Seti I in those four, four groups. So this is what I showed. So now, mind you, he, um, the, the group of Amu, he has here Hemu. Okay, so he has a completely incorrect word uh, for that group. There's as the Amu, and it's not him at all. And how we know that is because if you... Look at what he says about the hem down here. He says, Hem is the rudder to paddle, fish, hemi to steer. The hemu thus indicated are sailors, seafarers, and people of the isle. And then he then he tries to link it to the Bible, Genesis ten. And it might be rendered uh by the isles of the Amu or the Hemu. And then he says the, the hieroglyphic hem is the sign of a water frontier and so i want you all to see let's go back he's talking about he's referring to this group here which are the not the himu but the amu and there's nothing in the glyphs that represent water this first glyph is a throw stick it's a weapon it's not a rudder <laughs> it's not a fish or, or um, what he said when he in refer, in reference to is being a sign of a water frontier. It has nothing to do with that at all. Okay, so I'm just pointing out uh, the the um, mistakes in the uh, text in Massey's text. All right. So he has the transliteration incorrect. It's not him at all. And then he's 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 identifying glyphs that are not even there. Okay, so I just want to make sure everyone understands that. All right. Now, uh, let's go back to his page again. He refers to the ancient Egyptians as the root or rut. And further down here, he says the word rut has various meanings, all significant when applied to the Egyptians by themselves. Rut is to retain the form, be carved in stone, a footstool, a pair of feet, cause to do, plant, grow, repeat. 
one hieroglyphic sign of rut is an implement for pegging down and making fast in the earth to retain animals in one spot. All right. Now, I want to stop here for a second. Let's go back. He says the word rut has various meanings, all significant when applied to the Egyptians by themselves. Rut is often, excuse me, rut is to retain the form, be carved in stone, a footstool or a pair of feet, cause to go, plant, grow, repeat. Now, uh, Gerald Massey is incorrect in this as well. Okay, uh, so let's go back to the picture here. This is what he's referring to the Egyptians themselves. And so what he's calling rut is actually remetch. So he completely is missing the the um, the M in the word. But there's nothing about feet in this word. What he's actually referring to is the word for foot. Okay, which the word for two feet is red we and so he's using root as in red which is the word for foot but that's not this word whatsoever there's there's nothing in the glyphs or anything that would indicate that particular word this word here remage is um um with the mouth as you see is an open mouth and you see a tethering rope here this glyph here is what we refer to as a monoliteral. And what that means simply is that it represents one consonant. And a consonant is a, a, a palatal, um, voiced pa palatal uh, explosive, which is the word ch, is a sound ch, like in church. Okay? And we transliterate this particular glyph or this sound with a T-C-H, as you see right here. We transliterate it with a capital T, or as you see it on my screen here, a T with a line under it to indicate that it's the uh, CH instead of the regular T. Okay, notice that it's over here as well. And Chimehu, see the same glyph here? The same glyph, which is a tethering rope. You have the T with the underline under it, and over here, the tethering rope, T with the underline all right it has the ch sound as in church so this is where we have remetch this is why we say chemehu okay um that 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 is what he's referring to and let's go back to his uh book here so this is what he's referring to when he says that one hieroglyphic sign of root is an implement for pegging down and making fast in the earth to retain animals in one spot. So what he's saying here is that one of the signs in the word that he's referring to is something that's used to, to tie animals in one spot, to retain animals in one spot. Okay. And uh, for that portion, that's correct. Because this tethering, that's why it's referred to as a tethering rope. It's a rope that's used to uh, restrain animals, to tether animals to 
a fixed position so they can't roam around and things like that okay but i want you to understand that he's mixing what this glyph is from a word for feet and foot has nothing to do with any of that okay that's not how the language works and this is not even the in within the glyphs that we're looking at or in the text itself okay and this is what happens uh when when we don't know the language or don't know how the language works okay and we have to understand that gerald massey was not a linguist and he was not a uh, person who was competent and proficient in the egyptian language all right so to his credit he's not an expert in that field um and i don't know of him to to proclaim that he was etc etc but we have to understand that because of that mistakes can be made and thus mistakes were made all right and i'm and i'm pointing these out so that our community can um know better and then do better all right so anyway that's the remage and i just wanted to point those things out so now when it comes to the chamehu again he is uh let's go back to his text So let's go back to his text and let me scroll back up. Now he breaks down this word, uh, the Tamahu here. They're light complexioned people. In Egyptian, Tama means people. Now see, this is the mistake that's made that um, he's completely mixing words. It's, it's like, it's like, for example, um, Let's see, what can I use as an example in English? It's like taking an English word and let's see, what's a good word? Um, okay, let's just take a word, random word, risk. R-I-S-K. Okay, R-I-S-K. So that's like me taking that word risk and taking the I-S out of it. And saying that that that's the word is that the word is is inside of the word risk and and that would be completely false there's no way I can argue that the verb the to be verb is which people call a copula or the to be verb is is with inside the word risk at best all I can say is that the consonants or the, the vowel I and the consonant S is used. Those two characters are used to spell the word risk. I can't say that that the word is is in the word risk. You understand? And so this is the mistake that he's making by trying to break down the word Chamehu and saying Tama means people and created. And then who is white light or ivory see that's not how languages work that's not how it's done and so this is the mistake this is the big mistake that's being made and from that mistake he's creating a fictitious meaning of the word tama meaning people who meaning white light ivory and therefore if you put it together it means created white people so so you can see his logic is based off of a of a uh a complete error on his part.
Okay. And so, and so what we have in our community now are people who are following behind Massey and are using his logic and his meanings. And today you have those of us in our community that are using this word Tamahu for Europeans and white and whites incorrectly. Okay. So we have to clarify that we have to make sure we upgrade our information and move forward um, with, you know, accuracy as much as possible. So hopefully, you know, my post itself, that's that's one why I shared this information on a in a Facebook post to begin with to um, help inform people and hopefully see that um, we can act accordingly. And when we know better, we do better. All right. So. Just wanted to kind of show and share that and elaborate this way. Now, the same thing with the uh, the the rest of it. Nah is black ink. He's doing the same thing. And and you and you cannot do that. So let's go back to. The picture here. So on these pictures, these are complete words. And these are representations of of. Um, Ethnicities. These are ethnonyms for groups of people because you're looking at people and they're naming them. All right. And as a side note, a brief little detour side note. Notice that when the ancient Egyptians want to identify themselves and they want to do so in the context of differentiating themselves from other nations, I want everyone to note the name that they chose. Okay. You don't see Kemet here. You don't see the word Kemet. You don't see the word commit to you. Or none of that. Whenever they want to identify themselves. In relation. To differentiating themselves. From other nations. They use the word Remetch. This is. Their ethnonym. This is their ethnic designation. Okay, I want everybody to understand that. And mind you, what I'm showing you, you all, is only from one particular tomb, the tomb of Seti I. And by the way, Seti I is the father of uh, Ramses II, the great Ramses II. All right, the one, the popular one that everyone is familiar with. All right. So I want everybody to understand that this particular text is coming from a, a text called the Book of Gates. This is the fifth hour of the Book of Gates. Now, this is not only in this tomb. It's also in the tomb of Ramses the third. Well, let me go in order. We have Seti the first, which is what I'm showing you. Then we have the tomb of Menepetah. And then it's also in the tomb of Ramses the third. So this this depiction, these depictions here or this text and showing these these four uh, different nations or ethnicities, um, it's located in three tombs. OK, as far as illustrated. Now, the text itself is found in more the glyphs that you see above. But in terms of an illustration and figures that go along with it, it's in three tombs. Okay, so you, so you can look it up. Uh, the Book of Gates of Seti the First, the Book of Gates of Merneptah, the Book of Gates of Ramses the Third. All right, so I'm just letting you all know 
what you can uh, go to see seek out and investigate all right so I want everyone to understand the word that they chose to identify themselves is not Kemet it's not commit to you it is remich okay but now all of that was a sidebar <laughs> so now let's get back to uh, the point now what I would like to do is take a portion of it now what I've done is I've, I've taken the the um, the left hand side here where you see the remitch and so I simply kind of um, made it bigger I enlarged it and hopefully you all can um, hopefully you all can see that and hopefully it's clear enough that you all can see it and uh, that's that's uh, I guess that's pretty much the clearest that I can uh, get it and so what I've done is I've numbered the um, the columns that are there for the glyphs themselves all right and for those of you who are watching or who may be watching in the archives if you're able to read the glyphs um, then you can follow along with me but what I would like to do is to show you all um, or tell you all and show you all what it actually says all right so let me just get my cursor back where are we okay so hopefully you all can see my cursor now these glyphs may be blurry showing up on Facebook I'm not sure how it's showing up but I have the columns numbered so it's from 1 to 10 excuse me 1 to 13 okay so now um, again this video I'm not I'm not trying to teach people how to read the glyphs or get into any details of that I have you know I have courses um, I teach courses teach classes and I even have other videos that kind of touch on some of those basics so what I'm gonna do is just convey to you what's being said all right and go and go column by column all right so firstly we have uh, the deity here we have Heru all right he's holding a staff and you see his name in front of him you see the falcon and and for those who are familiar with the gardener codes this would be g5 the falcon bird all right so this is heru all right and so and then in front of in front of him we have the remich and then two of the amu so i'm just letting you all know who the figures are all right but in terms of the glyphs themselves we have in the first column we have uh, now mind you where a column ends and another one begins it doesn't necessarily start or stop a word or start or stop a sentence so I just want to give you all a forewarning that the words and even sentences and so on may run from one column into the other and so on so I'm gonna just go through the columns in their order all right so we have in the first column we have in heru and then and then we have ni okay and it says heru says to the herd and then the next word is uh awit ra so you know what happened to my cursor here hopefully y'all can see my cursor now so we have in heru then we have nin and then we have 
Awit Ra. So this is Heru says to the herd of Ra. The word Awit is herd. So, you know, people, um, I guess Christians would be familiar with this concept where where um, people may be referred to as a flock. And then they're, they're being shepherd or they belong to someone and the person they belong to is their shepherd. And so this is why uh, these groups are are considered herd or cattle in that sense. All right. Not literally, um, of course. But so this is what this is saying. All right. The herd of Ra. And it's saying, Emiu uh, Duat. So it's saying, the herd of Ra who dwell in the Duat. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with uh, Duat, the underworld or the afterlife. Okay, so that's what we're dealing with here. This is the fifth. This is the fifth hour of the Book of Gates. That's in the Duat. Okay, so it's saying who dwell in the Duat, and it's the Duat, and then it says Kemet. In this fourth column here, this is the word Kemet, and this is the word Desheret. Okay, Desheret. So these are two places. So three places we have who dwell in the Duat, Kemet, and Desheret. Okay, so Kemet, we all familiar with Kemet. Uh, Desheret, we should be familiar with that. that that's the uh, desert uh, area. Okay, I want you all to understand um, what's you know what's being said. Then it goes on. So we have Emu Duat Kemet Desheret. Then we have Aku and Chen Awad Ra. All right. So altogether, that's saying who are in the underworld in Kemet and in the Desheret. And then Aku is the word for transfiguration. And then in Chen is to you. So transfiguration to you. Again, it repeats the herd of Ra, Awad Ra. All right. And then it goes on to say, Keper M. A. Kenti Pet. All right. So it says uh, the herd of Ra and then an epithet. It says, which came into being by means of the great one. OK. And it's the great one. And then it's Kenti Pet, which is which means foremost of the heavens. And that's an epithet of Ra. Okay, so it's the great one foremost of heaven. So so this herd, these people here came into being by means of what's what's being uh, described as Ah, which is the great one. And then an epithet foremost of heaven. Then it goes on to say Chao, which is breath, the word for breath or wind. And then in Fenej. Feneju Chen, which is your noses. And the next word is Senfekfek. And Wetu Chen, which is loosening of your mummy wrappings. The word Wetu is mummy wrappings. Okay. And Chen is you alls. All right. That's a, that's a pronoun for you all. And Wetu Chen would be you alls mummy wrappings. Okay. So I want you all to follow that. And then we have uh, Nechen Remit, which means you all are Remit, which means the tears. And I want you to understand Remit 
means tears. And then aket-i imrenchen ni remech. And what that's saying is you all are the tears and then aketi of my brilliant eye. That's what the word aketi means in this particular instance, my brilliant eye. And then M is N and then Renchen, you all's name, Ni Remech. All right. I'm not sure if my uh, cursor has been showing. Okay, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, if, if my cursor wasn't showing, I, I'll, I'll repeat um, or show where I was uh, speaking um, about here. So we have, um, just to say, just to show again, um, this last column 13 is where you see the word remetch again. No, see the, the mouth here, the tethering rope here, the seated man and woman, and then the three strokes. Mouth, tethering rope, seated man, woman, three strokes. And this is exactly what you see between these figures. The mouth, tethering rope, seated man, woman, three strokes. So prior to that, you have the, the remetch. And notice that the determinative here, and for those who may not understand what a determinative is, briefly, a determinative is a glyph that comes at the end of words that help us determine the meaning of the word. So these determinatives themselves are not transliterated and they're not pronounced. So determinatives is only for a script uh, feature. It's only a feature in the writing system. All right. So it, it alerts us as readers or anyone reading it to allow us to help us to determine the meaning of the word. Okay. They're also called classifiers. They allow us to classify the word into their proper uh, classification and categories. All right. But they're nicknamed determinatives because of what I just said and explained. So, all right. But like I said, that's a that's a whole uh, lesson. But I just wanted to show you that the determinative here is an eye with tears coming from it. You have three tears that are coming from it. And the word remit is the word for tears or crying. OK, and so the reason why I'm emphasizing this. Is because the remit in another text they have always said in their cosmogonical view and cosmological uh, or cosmogonical text and a cosmological view. They always refer, refer, refer to themselves as the emanations of Ra. In the text, they say that they come from the tears of Ra and within the story, uh, Ra cries. OK, one of his eyes uh, now this is all in a in a mythos. One of his eyes leaves to go find someone, and when it comes back, the eye finds itself re being replaced. And Ra weeps, and tears come from comes from his eyes, and then human beings or the Egyptians themselves emerge from his tears. And so this is why this text is this is what this text is saying. This is saying the same thing. It's saying that you were created here, Remich, from my brilliant eye. 
here we have Aket T or Aket E, which would be my brilliant eye, and then M, which is N, and then Ren Chen, which is you all's name. The word Ren means name. Here in the in the twelfth column, we have Ren, and then we have Chen, which is a suffix pronoun for you all. So you all's name. So in you all's name, and then Ni of this last word ripple is Ni of, and then Remech. So you can see the connection between Remich and Remech, tears, and then the Egyptians themselves. All right. So I want to make it perfectly clear that the Egyptians all day, every day, at all times, refer to themselves as the emanations of Ra. They came from the tears of Ra. When they wanted to describe themselves in terms of nationality, or excuse me, ethni ethnicity, to differentiate from other ethnicities, they did not refer to themselves as Kemet, or Kemetiu, or Kamau, or Kemu, or all any other Kims. They referred to themselves as Remech. Okay? So now, I just want to quickly show you all the, the actual tomb itself because, um, like I said, this is a particular remake. And I only showed this because it's clear uh, and it's um, a remake where there's no damage here. So here on my screen is the actual primary. Okay? And it's very clear on my screen. And hopefully... Um, it's clear on Facebook and you all can see it. All right. So this is the actual tomb of Seti the first, this particular section. So let me point to it and hopefully y'all can see my cursor. I'm, I'm having an issue with the cursor here. Um, this is the wall I was referring to. And here's the corner on the, on the right hand side. This is the corner. So the wall, so there, there's two walls that are joined, uh, by a corner here. And so this is why when you when you see this reproduced they always break it right here because there's a natural break you know in and in, in being it it's in the corner of of this particular here um section but we have heru right here again and here are the glyphs you can see the glyphs really clear here so we have n n heru nin n awit ra so so says heru to the herd of Ra or the cattle of Ra. And then Emiu, and then the rest is a little damage. Um, you can see the you can see portions of the word duat. Emiu duat. And then we have Kemet. Then we have Desheret. Everything that I that I mentioned before. Okay. And so let's go to the part that I was referring to. So here we have Remich. You see that you see the eye here with the three tears coming from it. And before it, we have the word Remich. And then we have Ak, Aket, and then E, my brilliant eye. And then we have M, and then Renchen, again, your's name, you all's name, and then Ni, and then Remech. You see Remech clear as day right here, where my cursor is. All right. So, so I just wanted to kind of elaborate 
on the fact that Gerald Massey was incorrect in all of his erroneous uh, definitions. They were completely erroneous. Uh, the word remetch has nothing to do with feet, has nothing to do with walking, feet, planting or growing. It has everything to do with the tears of Ra, as this text is actually telling you. Okay. Um, and then there's another text, as I said, and, and to name that particular text is called the book of knowing the transformations of Ra and overthrowing a pep. You can find that particular text, a translation of it by Budge, uh, E.A. Wallace Budge. In his book called the Egyptian gods volume 1 page 308 all right I don't have I don't have it typed out on the screen right here but I'm, I'm saying it so hopefully you all can um, write it down if you want to um, look into that so again the other text that 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 this is referencing and and um, coincide with is a text called the book of knowing the transformations of Ra and overthrowing of a pep and you can find a translation of it in E.A. Wallace Budge's works particularly a book that he wrote called the ancient Egyptian gods volume 1 page 308 is where it starts okay so check that out and you're gonna see where where the transformations arrive, and you're going to see the story about Shu and Tefnut. Uh, he, you know, God was alone, or, or um, the Creator was alone, and then he spat out Shu. Excuse me, he coughed Shu and spat Tefnut, um, and then Geb and uh, Nut, and then uh, we'll see it all set. Everybody appears on the scene, and then Shu and Tefnut vanish. His eye goes out and search for them and comes back and finds his eye replaced and he weeps and he cries. And then from those tears, humanity comes about, which are the Egyptians themselves, and they are named the Remich. All right. So you're going to see all of that good story in there. All right. And then some. OK, so check that out. All right. So anyway, uh, I don't want to make this too long. I just wanted to I just want to clarify uh, one, why I posted the post again Two, uh, in hopes that. Uh, I hope that people will um, correct themselves and govern themselves accordingly in terms of uh, we don't have to say Tamahu means white people. In fact, there's uh, <laughs> um, uh, let me let me show let me show this real quick here again uh, here. Now, the the Egyptians are over here on the left. And so their main neighbors to the south, it will be the Nehesiu. To the east would be the Amu, and to the west it would be the Chemehu. So, th so they're they're describing their intimate neighbors, the ones that are are adjacent to their homeland. Okay, they have other names for other nations and other people that are that are further away from them, but these are their immediate neighbors. These are the neighbors who are adjacent to their um their homeland of kemet okay the kingdom okay so i just want everyone to understand so when it comes to europeans and white people there is a mis um misnomer of the chemehu these are libyans these are people who were west of kemet and and there's two groups the chemehu 
and then the Chehenu. Okay, and the Chehenu were further south in the west. Okay, I just want everyone to understand that. So when you hear someone refers to Europeans or white whites as Tamahu, make sure you point this video out, point out my post, or you yourself investigate and break it down. Explain it to them. Explain it to them that, wait a minute, uh, my sister, wait a minute, my brother, uh, the Tamahu are the Libyans. They're not the Europeans. The Egyptians were not referring to or describing anybody in Europe. <laughs> okay. And especially nobody who was white. All right. That's not, you know, the word for white is hedge. Like the white crown of Kemet is the word hedge. The red crown is called Desheret and the white crown is hedge. That's the word for white, hedge. White, bright, to light up. That's, that's hedge. Not Chemehu. Alright, so I just want everyone to understand that. Alright, and I think um I think the point has been made. And um I can't leave without also showing you all this. So because the Egyptians themselves called themselves the Remich, and, and because there are a lot of people who are maybe unfamiliar with this, um I designed a uh, made a design to emphasize this point. And this is exactly what um Heka Apparel is all about. Uh, it's thinkware and so there's a lot of uh, symbols and teaching in the designs that are made um, that I've created uh, for apparel so people could wear as conversation starters as as things that people can learn from and so here's a, another one uh, entitled the remage the emanations of Ra okay and so this is how the word this is how their name looks in the glyphs and as you can see, I have the eye and the tears coming. The emanations are coming forth from the eye, creating the people and their name, Remich. Okay, so, um, you know, pick, your, pick yourself up a t-shirt, a hoodie, a sweatshirt or whatever, or, or buy one for your friends, loved ones, you know, spread, spread the information. These are teaching tools, all right? So support. And uh, you can find that at Heck Apparel. Um, dot com. Just want to let everyone know that. All right. So I'll take a moment and look at the comments and see if there's any um, any questions. You know, like I said, I try not to make these videos long. And so I'm going to kind of quickly go over it. So if you have a question now, if you if you already typed it and asked it, uh, please retype it now. That way I don't have to scroll and uh, spend too much time. But again, I do want to say do for those who are tuned in and watching. I know today's Sunday. It's the evening. I'm not sure if there's football games on or, or whatnot, but, you know, I appreciate anybody who's taking the time out to hang out and, t and tune in. Okay. Um, so I'm scrolling back up and I'm just going to kind of briefly go through. It. I'm looking for questions uh, here. All right. Um, let's see. And I would do a shout out, but like I said, that that would a uh, roll call shout out. This would take um, too long. Okay, uh, Folashade uh, asks, uh, R T C H. I don't see the M. Okay, that's a good question. Let me go back to. Okay, well I could leave this on the screen. Okay, um, the reason why you don't see the M is because the scribes, uh, uh, even within the scribal 
uh, standards, they did not put the M, M here. Now, like I said, when you're learning the language, part of the lessons that you'll come across and you'll learn is that the scribes carved the glyphs in what's called uh, square or rectangular quadrants. Okay, and they fit the glyphs within these quadrants for aesthetic reasons. And certain words that were used so, um, I guess, uh, so much, so many times, so profoundly, uh, or prolifically, I should say, that they used um, abbreviated forms. So if you want, if you are on Facebook, if you join our Facebook group, I can show you the full spelling of the word as attested in text itself. Okay, but what I'm showing on the screen and, and what what was seen here is the standard way that they started to spell it. Okay, the same way that when we say Unk Ujasaneb, the the remage themselves or the scribes, they didn't spell that all the way out. They just used the three symbols that spelled those words: the Unk, the Ja symbol, the pestle. And then the folded cloth representing the whole word Seneb. They didn't spell it all the way out. Okay, so so it, it depends on the text and things. And and this and and for you to even know that that's occurring, you had to become more and more familiar. Excuse me, familiar with the language and the text. All right, but um, that's a good question. Um, the M um, is there in the fuller spelling, not in this particular rendition. All right, so just wanted to. I'll let you all know that. So I'm scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. Okay, Christopher says, could you give, let's see. Hopefully it'll allow me to see the rest of his comment. And it will not. But uh, what I can see, he says, uh, could you give one of these discussions on the Manipatah Stella if the word Israel is found in? Okay, that's a separate thing. Okay, yeah, that's, um. so he's putting a request. All right, it's not a problem either. Okay, so let's go. Um, I'm in Ma'atra. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm going scrolling down again. I'm just I'm just trying to see if there's any questions. Okay. Um, Sanvasa says, "What is behind the knees of the next group of people?" Okay. Let me go back. He said the knees. So I'm assuming he's talking about. I'm not quite sure. Now, um, brother Vasa, if you're if you're asking about th where my cursor is, the, these things here, these are fringes. These are fringes coming off of their clothing. Okay, so I'm not sure if that's what you're asking me about, but these are simply fringes, a part of their attire. Okay, those are not glyphs. Um, okay, so let's keep going. I'm scrolling down. Okay, um, Mika, Florida asks, okay, so what did they call white people? <laughs> that's the thing. They didn't. All right, that's a good question. And that's something that people have to understand. Number one, all right, remember this. Listen, our notion today of, of races, where we separate race by black, by two colors, and then continents, we say black people, white people, and then we jump to continents. We say uh, Asians. And then we say Native Americans. Those are like the four main 
you know, racial classifications that we use today, we always have to remember that that classification did not exist in ancient and historical times. That is a modern construct. Our social classification system of race is a modern construct. Okay, because number one, white people, that people that we call white people are not really the color white. And people that we uh, refer like we refer to ourselves as black people, we're not actually the color black. Because if you if you look at um, African-Americans as, you know, the politically correct term, um, it's a whole range of skin colors from from what we call red bones all the way to the uh, chocolatey, the dark chocolate, as we, as people would say. OK, but that whole spectrum will be like we'll, we'll just call it black people. OK, but but my point is, is that that is a modern construct that is a social construct and it's modern the ancient egyptians did not have such a concept at all at all okay so i say that in answering your question that they didn't have a designation for white people because they didn't have a concept like ours of white people so their criteria for distinguishing groups of people was not based on the same criteria that we use today to distinguish people. So let me repeat that. All right. Because because I need for everybody to understand that. OK, our criteria. That we use today to separate people and to identify people is not the same criteria that was used in ancient times by the ancient Egyptians. Or the Remetch. They didn't have the same criteria. They did differentiate people, but they didn't use the same criteria that we use today. Their criteria was more in line with what we call today cultural, where they identified your weaponry. They identified your dress code. They identified your behavior and your mode of survival, your mode of production. If you, in other words, whether you were a pastoralist society, whether you were nomadic, whether you use uh, throw sticks as weapons, whether you use bows and arrows as weapons um, and things of that nature. OK, this is why they call them uh, the Amu, who are the who are the Asiatic desert dwellers. OK. Um, so they described people based on their mode of production um, and, and those kinds of things. And they visually represented them distinctly based on their customary uh, national dress codes and things like that. All right. So it wasn't about skin color for them in terms of differentiation. Although they weren't blind, <laughs> none of the Egyptians were blind and they could see differences. But that just wasn't their criteria for designating ethnicities. And different, you know, groups of people. Okay, so I just want to make that clear. And but that's a that's an excellent question, and um, I want people to really understand and get that. All right. So uh, let's see. Uh, next, uh, Emmy Cat question by someone on top. Okay. Yeah, I addressed that already. Uh, do I for that? 
Uh, let's see. All right, let's keep going. Uh, let's keep going, keep going, keep going. And I guess I'm at the end. Okay, so hopefully everyone, everyone, you know, uh, benefited from this. You know, this video is brief. Like I said, I'm not, you know, these short videos, you can't really teach. You know, I again, I, I teach classes. I have courses, um, a beginner's level and a more advanced level dealing with strictly with grammar. Um, and in those classes, I always talk about cultural things such as this, where I can elaborate and demonstrate and show, you know, show more things. But I try to keep these videos short um, and I haven't even been doing a good job at that. Uh, keeping them short but I, I, my goal is to keep these short bite-size informative and spark the conversation and investigation don't take my word for it now you know look into these things all right and if you have questions you know I, I'll do my best to answer them um, and the whole nine but based on what I said so far let me summarize so again I'm coming off of my post and and um, I'm speaking about the word tamahu uh, Gerald Massey has it wrong and there's people in our community that are following after Gerald Massey's mistakes and errors and therefore our people are making these same mistakes and same errors and we have to clean it up okay so let's throw away the word Tamahu in reference to Europeans okay the Egyptians themselves they did not refer to uh, continents like that they didn't even they don't even have a name for the continent of Africa OK, they didn't think in a continental way to the Egyptians. And this is another thing. This is a side note to the Egyptians. Remember, what do we call the Egyptian culture in general? We call it the Nile Valley civilization. And the word I want to pay attention to is valley. It's the Nile Valley. And what is a valley? A valley is a strip of land. That is flat in nature that is sandwiched between hills. That's what a valley is. It's the low area between two hills on the sides. And so it's the Nile Valley. And what is the Nile? It's a big river, a big, long, long river. And so we call it the Nile Valley culture or the Nile Valley civilization. And so what are we saying? We're saying it's the river culture, the river civilization. And so to the Egyptians, their land, their home was the flat part of that area. And so they referred to it as Ta. And the glyph that's used for Ta is a flat strip of land. Surrounding that are hills and deserts on the left and right and then at the top of their territory at the at the um, actually at the bottom where the river empties out it's the Mediterranean Sea and at the top of their land which is to us south was the um, what we call today cataracts which are really the rapids because of the rocks that are there like small waterfalls rapids and you can't sail a ship across those things okay that was at the the southern border for them so we have to remember they didn't have a name for the entire continent of africa all right they didn't have a name for the entire continent of europe 
So they wouldn't call anything European. Okay, I just want everyone to understand that. There was no concept of Europe to them. There was no concept of Africa to them. They had neighbors. They named them. They interacted with people, whether it was, whether they were enemies and they were warring against them or they were trading with them. They had names of those people. And, and names, ethnic names, are of two kinds. And I went over this in a separate video. One is called endonym. Another one is exonym. Endonym are the names that people name themselves. Exonymic are the ones that, that others name for them. So the remage used two. Like, for example, the, uh, uh, let's say the um, Hittites. You know, if you find that in the Akkadian or Hittite, uh, the Egyptians use a word that's that's very close to that. And likewise, foreign countries referred to the Egyptians by the name that they called themselves. OK, so we have to understand, understand these 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 things. It wasn't a continental thing like that. All right. So I just want everyone to to understand that. All right. As much as we would like for these folks right here, um, as a matter of fact, you don't see the Chimehu. They will be on the, on this uh, right hand side. It's out of the picture here, but right here will be the Amu. So you have the four Egyptians: one, two, three, and four. This fourth one is faded. All right, the the color has faded off. It washed away because actually, this particular um, spot here uh, became water. This is from water damage. All right. If you look at the history of this particular um, artifact, it is uh, it has some water damage done to it. So you see this one is is washed away a little bit, um, which is one of the Amu. So you have four of the Remich and then one, two of the Amu. And then you see the third one over here. And then the fourth one is, is right outside the um, the image here. OK, so um, let's see if I can get one of the other ones up. Just to show you some more pictures from that same tomb. All right, so this is a little extra. And let's see, let's see, let's see here. Okay, here is um hmm. Let's see if I can get this one in here. I want you all to see, uh, let's see if I have one of the Chimehu. And I believe, see how clear it's going to be. Okay, hopefully you all can see that. Okay, so hopefully you all can see that. But this is further down, down, and you can see the damage that was done. Okay, to, uh, to this. All right. So, um, but this is how it looks recently. Now, now, when when um, other when it was first excavated, it was it was in beautiful condition. It was in pristine condition. All right. So there's um, there's uh, facsimiles and things that are available that you know you can seek out. All right. And also, as I said, this does not it's not just in this one particular tomb. 
all right so just real quick let's just see anybody else here real quick let's see um yeah again i don't want to make this too long so i'm gonna wrap it up uh let's see peace family be sure to check out okay we may need especially go through how egyptians viewed and named their neighbors okay all right so yeah anyway so again i appreciate i say dua for everyone who's tuned in hopefully you benefited from this um you know leave me a comment join our facebook group that's the best place to have really good uh dialogue because in a comment section on videos it's hard to follow the comments because the videos they timestamp, and so if i go back and watch the video i may never never see your comment because it's stamped to a time a particular time in the video okay so remember that just join our facebook group and and you can you know spark questions and conversations there okay so chuck morgan says uh question the chamehu look as if they have tattoos is that accurate uh yes they're drawn they're drawn with um some kind of artwork on their bodies and this is what you see where my cursor is here this is what you're looking at all right so that's a good question the chamehu um were depicted with tattoos or some kind of of bodily artwork okay you know we simply call them tattoos or some something okay all right okay so um anyway i will close out and just remember um and here, here again here are the um the uh all, them all in a row and again those names are Remich, the amu the nehesu and the chimehu Remich, Amu, Nehesu, Chimehu. These are the four ethnic groups. And what's interesting is that these four groups are in the Egyptian heaven. So, <laughs> you know, people are are, are 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 saying, you know, using these words as if as if they're not even going to be in heaven with them. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. But uh, but it's just interesting to me. It's funny. Uh, but these four nations are in, when I say heaven, what I mean is the duat. This, this is the fifth hour. And see, if I were to keep reading this, if I were to keep translating and reading this for you all, it, it goes further to say, as a matter of fact, let me show you this word here, Sekhmet. This is deity Sekhmet. And for the, and for the remage, it says that they were created from the tears of Ra. But for all of the rest of them, they're saying that, that well, for the Amu and the Chamehu, they are protected by the deity Sekhmet, who is going to do what? Who is going to um, protect their souls? Okay, this word here. Now, let me see if I, I can blow that up. Now, you can see it here where my cursor is. I'm circling it. Matter of fact, let me show you Sekhmet. This is the word Sekhmet right here. Sekhmet, the determinative of her. She's a, she's a lion, a lioness deity. And this is her kneeling. This is a lion-headed deity kneeling with the solar disc on her head right here. And prior to that is the word Sekhmet. So this is her. And it says that she's going to redeem their souls. Ba-chin. See Ba? The word Ba is right here. And it's talking about the Amu. Okay? And... When it comes to the Nehesu, 
um the nahesiu is said to be created created uh a little differently and you know maybe we'll do a video uh, another separate video on that all right so so anyway just wanted to give everybody uh information on on that uh last call for these questions here so hopefully uh chuck that was answer your question uh let's see uh oh heaven how did the tamahu get to the duat with calcified pineal glands and no melanin right see once you understand this this then a lot of other things will kind of fall to the wayside as well and i just want everybody to um just got to do better when we know better we do better all right so with that you know i appreciate everybody hanging out and um enjoy the rest of your evening and who knows we may do another video tonight you know because like i said what sparks these videos is you know when i peruse you know facebook and uh or i get asked questions in my inbox or inside of our facebook group or uh, things or some you know things i would like to share and um so the night is still early so anyway, uh, Dua for tuning in and I will see you all next time.